reading's taken from Colossians chapter 1 verses 24 through to chapter 2 verse 5 if you're following. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy. Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Thank you, Father. Men jag först kommer i samkomma ska första skiftet som jag kommer kan samkomma jag skil ägg i nät ska och då var såna ärvet jag kom in och jag långa skilat och jag bara hörde folk och folk talade med mig och vi bara brösa med dem så jag skil ägg i nät ska då var då var så ärvet att skil och jag talade samma tungomål bara jag skil ägg i nät och efter alla dessa timmar ska det är ändå ärvet för folk till att skilja Bibeln. It's really funny to hear someone say something that you don't understand. What I said was the first time I ever came to church, I pretended that I understood. I came in and people were speaking a language that I didn't understand. It was a holy language. I mean, washed in the blood. I almost ran out the door. What does that mean? Why are we singing about being washed in the blood? What's wrong with these people? You know, it's a language that we have to get used to, that we have to understand and that we have to grow into. And one of the things that happens is sometimes we pretend that we know. Amen? It's not that I don't understand the words in English, that's not it. It was that I don't understand what people are talking about. And it's funny because Luke mentioned this when he started on the Colossians. He said, one of the things about Colossians is that if you aim for nothing, you hit nothing. Amen? So one of the great questions that comes out of Colossians and comes through Colossians is this. What are you aiming for in your Christian life? And, and I had to actually, interestingly, I had to learn to read again. 
I actually, the first Bible I ever had was a picture Bible, and I got hold of one done by Scripture Union, and I read that, and then I got hold of a, a new King ja uh, an old King James Version, and, and to be honest, I didn't understand a single word. I was reading it going, for thou art what? For there's these and don'ts and doubts, and I, I couldn't get through it at all, and it was a mystery to me. And then suddenly I, I, I discovered the NASB, and then I moved on to the NIV. But I had to learn, I had to decide that I was going to go on a journey to understand where I was in God. And some of what I'm going to look at today is what Paul does. He said, you know, Luke, Pastor Luke said it, and he said, I think it's a good thing to think, because I'm going to ask you at the end, what are you aiming at? What are you aiming at in your Christian life? We have aims at work. We have aims with family. We have aims with money. All our life has goals and aims set before it because there's things we need to do, things we have to do, etc., etc., etc. But do we aim after anything in Christ or are we settled? Oh man, am I comfortable? The kingdom of comfort where I am king or I am queen. On my throne, heaven forbid anybody try to take me off it. I don't need to understand. I've got the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, you have. But you have the word of God too that you have to read and see. And then you have to see it in people. Come on, there's a lot to do here. And Paul, he tries to help. And Paul's work for the church and throughout his writings and here in Colossians, he's making this opening statement, and I love it, don't you? Verse 24, I rejoice in what I'm suffering, the NIV says. Uh, yeah. And in the NLT, it's even better. It says, I am glad when I suffer. Hallelujah. There's not many faces around here smiling about suffering right now, looking at people going, what's he talking about? That's what it says. And then... It's funny that Paul makes hard work look easy. Doesn't he? What a great opening statement he makes in verse 24. I rejoice in what I am suffering. Not many people come and say, uh, I'm really suffering, but hallelujah. <laughs> I'm really suffering, but it's hard. It's hard. Usually it's the other side, isn't it? It's hard. It's awful. Woe is me. Not many people rejoice in what they're going through in the Lord. And Paul, it just seems to make it so easy that you want to give up. I can't be Paul. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. The Lord's glad about that, by the way. He's glad that you're not Paul. He doesn't need another Paul. He needs you. But why does Paul feel the need to tell us this encouragement? He's looking at giving us confidence in the mystery that is revealed in Christ. So in other words, people must have been saying, I don't understand. It's a mystery to me. But you've got to put work in sometimes to work through the mystery, haven't you? Yeah. Amen. And to be honest, it's not a mystery anymore. It's not a mystery anymore. Okay, And Paul feels that he needs to explain this and say, listen to me, it's not a mystery anymore. What you have in God is not a mystery. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, I spend a lot of time looking at other people. I repent of it. Right? But I'm a terrible businessman. 
I've been offered a couple of times to get involved in business or be, no, 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 no. And the business had done really well and I was like, oh, come on. And, and I'm not the best teacher, I'm not the most cleverest person around. I'm not the tallest, I'm not the shortest, I'm not the best looking. I'm not far off. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah, it's a short list here, I tell you. But, you know, there's things, that I, but what we mustn't do is measure ourselves against other people, but especially against Paul. Amen. I can remember one time there was a preacher, he always preached about Paul. And in the end, you weren't good enough if you weren't like Paul. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm not like Paul. I don't want to wear a dress. <laughs> Amen. Look, there's things that we need to think about. And Paul says, I want you to think, but I want you to have confidence in who you are. See, that's our problem. I can have confidence in Pastor Cliff. I've always admired Pastor Cliff. I don't mind blowing a bit of sunshine. He's a lovely guy. He's a man of God. Over the years, I've turned to him for help and come for advice. Pastor Dave, both of them. Just so there's no mix-up. Hallelujah. Nobody gets more than the other one else. There are people that we look up to and say, wow, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Well, that's fine. There's nothing wrong. Pastor Cliff is a man of God. If I'm looking for wisdom, he's a good man to talk to. Amen? Come on. Many of us have done it over the years, but I don't want to be like him. One's enough, isn't it, sister? Bless you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. One's enough. So why does Paul, why does Paul feel the need to do this? He wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to remember who we are. Look at what Paul does. First of all, he makes two very clear declarations in the scripture that Terry read. The first one is a really simple one. This is who we are. The mystery is revealed in you and me. Isn't that simple? Oh, hallelujah, I like simple. It's revealed in you and me. That's it. Now, that's interesting, isn't it, that he decides to do that. The other thing he does is, guys, who do you serve? Come on. Isn't that simple? Oh, I want it to be complicated. Oh, hallelujah, I don't do slides, sorry. But, but it's not. It's up to you then, isn't it? Right in the middle, in verse 27, right in the middle, verse of 24 and 25, it says this. That Christ lives in you. Colossians 1.27, think about this. To them, to them God has chosen... To make known to the Gentiles and glorious riches of his mystery, which is Jesus in you, the hope and the glory. So Paul is showing them, look, here it is. He's showing us his ministry. His ministry is to the people, is to the saints. Of course, he did other things, but here's the thing. He wants to encourage not just them now, but us. You see, Pastor Luke, didn't he, he said, the Gnostics talked about hidden vision, hidden knowledge. You remember he was talking about that last week? The Gnostics were on about that, that something's hidden and there's a mystery and it's all a bit... You remember, remember, I don't know if you've got siblings, you remember when you got ice cream? I mean, it was, it was quite a rare thing in my house to get ice cream. You got ice cream and you ate it like this. Because you knew that the other ones were going to try and get some. Well, the Gnostics are a bit like that. But Paul's saying, hang on a minute, there's a big bowl of ice cream in the middle of the table. We all have it. It's enough for all. 
Amen? It's not special knowledge. It's not a secret. It's not a mystery anymore. It's enough for everyone to have their fill in God. What a powerful thought then he comes with. Listen, do you know this? I want you to know, he says, you're not forgotten. See, Paul says, I want you to grasp something, something that fundamental here. He wants us to fill ourselves with the things of God, to understand the power that lies within us, each one of us. Yes, it's different in each one. Amen. Amen. But it's still there. If you know Jesus as Savior, if you've called upon him to come into your life and asked him to forgive your sins and taken upon the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, you have it. Don't look at other people to see what they have. Colossians 1.29 To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. In other words, he contends for us, for them. He wants you to know that you're not forgotten. He is contending for us, for them. We are not a forgotten people. Oh, how often we feel alone, how often we feel separated. But yet, we don't call on the power of God to help us with that. We wallow in it a little bit. How often do we think that no one else is going through what we're going through? How often do we feel as if nobody really understands and nobody cares? You can be in a room full of people and feel alone. That's not from God, Paul says. That's not from God. So if it's not from God, where's it from? Come on. Come on. We have an enemy. He wants you to feel separated and alone. Like nobody cares and nobody understands and nobody's listening. Paul says, not true. Don't take it on board. You have power. I love that Paul writes something here that we can all engage with. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Colossians chapter 2 verse 1. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you, for those in Laodicea, and all of you who I have not met. Oh, hallelujah. How often do we do that? Pray for the church. But let me tell you something. There is power in praying for the church. There is power in saying... A third of the world's population are Christian. It's not just us here. It's not just the people in Iceland. A third of the world's population claim Christianity. We belong to something way bigger than ourselves. Hallelujah. Isn't that kind of, isn't that nice, don't you think? That's, that's kind of, Wow. Wherever I've been in the world, i found a church. And it doesn't matter whether I spoke the language, I've been able to go in that church and worship God. Yeah. Amen. It's amazing how many different languages you can hear amazing grace in. And how badly played it can be. Hallelujah. <laughs> Not everybody's got an iPad. Hallelujah. But the thing is, we forget that we belong. That there are others contending. How often, brothers and sisters, come on, think about this. Let's, let's put our thinking caps on a minute. How often have you woken up in the night, one or two of us have done this, and felt the need to pray for someone? 
Felt a desperate need. Who knows why? Three o'clock in the morning. Why am I praying for pastor or missionary or, or some situation? And, and then suddenly there's a testimony in the church where answered prayer came at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the Congo. I was traveling once through a blizzard. It's no fun. And I kept getting phone calls saying, the weather's too bad, you're not going to get through, the roads are blocked with snow. And, and in the end, I said, well, I'm nearly there. <laughs> and it just went quiet on the other end. Said, How can you be nearly here? There's cars stranded all over. There's hundreds of people stuck. I said, I don't know. And, and, and when I got home, someone said, you know, we felt the need to pray for you. What happened? Somebody in England called me to say, we were praying for you. It was six o'clock at night on a Saturday. What, where were you? I said, well, actually, I was driving through a blizzard going to... And they kept saying on the phone, the Icelanders, you're not going to make it, turn back. Have you got food in the car? No, I've got a flask, you know. An Englishman, never going away without tea. <laughs> Think about it, how often does this happen? And Paul cites it here. He says, listen, I'm praying for you, even though I haven't met you. See, we love on each other. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because we are family outside of these walls. Outside of this county, outside of this country, there is a big church out there. Oh, God is on the move. Hallelujah. We want to see it here, though, don't we? Come on. But let us never forget and let ourselves be robbed of what we belong to. And that's what, part of what Paul is saying. And actually, you know, that's a habit we can develop in ourselves. Every night on the news, we see things that are awful. We can ask God to, to break in. God's commitment, uh, Paul's commitment, it runs even further. My goal is to, you see, he commits himself. Like Pastor challenged us the other week, didn't he? What's your goal? What are you aiming at in God? Life, life will happen. Life's going to go on. Tomorrow the alarm will go off. You'll have to go to work without the rapture. I don't know about you. I sometimes would lay there going, rapture now. Monday morning rapture. It would be good on Monday morning, wouldn't it? Hallelujah, not to have to get up and go to work. And it hasn't come yet, hallelujah, unless this is it. Amen. Praise the Lord. But there's something here that we need to look at. Paul, in the end, says, my goal is to. And, you know, these few words, I want to tell you, they bring three things. They bring focus, purpose, and truth. Just in, three, just in not very few words. He said, listen, my goal is, and when we read on and we read all the things about Paul, we understand that Paul was committed to the work of God. Now he had to make a living and he had to do other things and he had to travel, but he was committed to purpose of God. He was committed to the truth of God. He was committed and focused. Because that's what we read. Paul was focused. He was focused on prayer. He didn't just say, oh, I'll pray for that and forget it. Because it sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, really? I'll pray for that. And then you don't pray. What's the meaning? Where's the power in that? Where's the focus? Where's the commitment? Where's the purpose? I purpose to do it. Write the name down so you don't forget when you get home. We can do that for each other and for others. Amen. That's who we can be. Paul says, be that person. I'm praying for you and I never met you. I'm praying for you. I don't even know your name. don't know where you go to church. don't care. I'm going to pray for you. Oh, hallelujah. 
Be committed to it. Focus. What are you focused on? Come on. Are you wanting to learn more about God? Are you want to learn something? I, I, it was very difficult. Very difficult to pick this up and begin to read and say, I need to understand this. I needed to have a goal of knowing what I was getting into, what I was believing in, and what I was sharing with others. I wanted to know. I needed to know because I wanted to be all I could be in God. And that's never stopped. And I can remember when I came back off the mission field for a, a couple of years and I took over the church at Evenwood and Evenwood said, I want you to, I want you to train as a pastor. <laughs> I think you've got the wrong person. And I went to our understairs cupboard and I took a chair and I went into our understairs cupboard in our house and I wept and I begged God to take this from me and not make me do it. Because I knew that I would have to be focused, I would have to be purpose, and I would have to get on with it if I committed to it. And it was big, and it was heavy, and it was bigger than me. Don't make me do this, Lord. I'll let someone else, I can see someone else, Lord. And I kept naming people. I kept saying to God, well, what about him? He's, oh, he'd be really good, God. Oh, what about him, God? He'd be really good. Don't make me do this, Lord. Don't. And I was crying. And I threw up in the door. I said, what are you doing? And she just shut the door. You're a big baby. She said, shut the door. Let me do it. And you know what God said? Nothing. Because God had asked me, and I'd said, I will do what you ask. In meetings like this one, and Paul says, here, listen, my goal is to. To what? Answer it for yourself. Read the Bible in a year, the sheets outside. Be more committed, be more focused. Be people of purpose in the word of God and the things of God and the purposes of God. That's how the kingdom is built. What's Paul talking about then? Kingdom building. Be a kingdom builder. Oh, hallelujah. What a challenge for us today with all the busyness of life that we have going on. And one of the things that really struck me when I was getting reading this and getting ready and, and, and I saw that he had clarity and strength of vision and courage to step out into the work, into new things, into difficult things. It's not easy to go to people and say, guys, I want to talk to you. <laughs> Let's have a talk. Are you committed? But then I needed to recognize something about Paul. And I just pause right here because I'm about halfway through now. Amen. Hallelujah. Short preacher. Come on. We need to recognize something here. Paul isn't boasting. See, Paul says these things he's doing. It's not a guilt trip. He's not trying to get them to do it. He's saying, this is what I'm doing. He's doing what he thinks he should in God. Isn't that a wonderful thought? He's actually saying to them and to us, yes, Yes, it's okay. It's okay for him to say, I've got knowledge. I've got knowledge. Amen. It's okay. It's all right. I'm boastful in the Lord. I can see what the Lord has done in my life. I can see where the Lord has taken me. I want to say things about the Lord, don't you? Oh, I can see, I can see the footsteps where God carried me. Amen. Come on. And more often than I'd care to admit sometimes. I needed him to do it. 
Paul, Paul's not boasting. What he's doing, he's sharing. He's sharing and saying. He wants to encourage us. He wants us to embrace all we are in Christ. And we come to that now where, where he says, listen, do you realize who you are? Do you realize what you have? They say Stalin once said, if Christians understood what they had in God, they would spend all their time praying. They would all spend all their time calling upon the Lord, but they don't realize what they have. He wants us to encourage us to grow and to keep on in Christ. Colossians 2, 4, 4 and 5. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. Hallelujah. I love that. His concern is for the people. His concern Imagine there was fake news back then. Amen? Amen. We don't think about it, do we? Because fake news isn't like an internet, whatever. But it isn't. There was people pretending. There was people saying things. There was people trying to deceive people all the time back then as it is now. It's never changed. It's never changed one bit. People are always trying to undermine the word of God. They're always trying to make it seem less. Always trying to make themselves seem more. Amen. Oh, but Paul says, listen, I'm doing this so that you won't be deceived. We don't do Bible studies for fun. Oh, we, well, I think David Taylor does. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, we do it because we understand that we need to know. We need to know more. We need to be honest about what we know. You know, I've been saved about two years and I didn't dare admit that I didn't know what Golgatha was. I didn't know. And one day I kind of sheepishly went up to one of the elders and said, look, I've got a question for you. And he was expecting some big, you know, theological question about the beaver skins in the tabernacle in the, when they were in the wilderness and, and the economic value and all that. And it was, I said, look, what's Golgatha? What's this Golgatha? Yeah, that's it. It's easy. I, said, I still don't know. And he went, he looked, what? I talked to you afterwards. <laughs> and I went to every Bible study. Nobody explained what it was. But you know what? I was taught something when I was young. And it's this. If you don't ask a question, you're an idiot all your life. But if you ask a question, you're an idiot for five minutes. <laughs> we shouldn't be afraid to ask when we don't understand. When we hear something going on that we're not sure about. or Because Paul says, listen, I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to understand what you have in Christ. Paul says that all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus. Now the word hidden here doesn't mean hidden like, you know, in a box under the bed with a lock on it. Amen. That's not what it means. What he means is it's there. It's stored up. God has a warehouse full of riches and he's given us the key through Jesus Christ. What are we aiming at? Brothers and sisters. Are we focused on work? Are we focused on life? We should be. 
We need to pay our bills. Life happens. But what are you focused on in God? Have you taken the read in one year? Have you got a focus or something in your heart that God's placed on your heart? Maybe it's a bit bigger than you. Hallelujah. Oh, I hope your vision is bigger than you. Come on. Amen. Don't you hope that the vision that God has given you is bigger than you? Because I serve a big God. Oh, I serve a mighty God. My God can do anything. And some of the stuff I'm doing in my life, I know that I will die before it finishes. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not scared of that because I want to build for the next generation. And I want them to be able to say, somebody built this so we can stand. Come on, let's be those people. We serve a big God. I, I honestly believe this will be too small one day. I don't know if I'll see it, but this will be the offices of this church. And we will have to hire a bigger place because there'll be a thousand people. And we'll be worried about how much room there is. Now, I might not see it, but I believe it. You know why? Because I believe God can do it. Amen. God can do that on the foundation that we built here. Let's be those people. What is hidden in you is amazing. It's not a secret. It's the worst kept secret in the world. Have you ever thought about this? God TV, books, tracks, posters, churches, people doing open airs. I'm just thinking about our country. It's the worst kept secret in the world now. Hallelujah, I'm glad. Aren't you glad that the gospel came for everyone? I'm glad the gospel came for everyone, me. Because otherwise I wouldn't be here. If it was special knowledge and a secret, I wouldn't be here. Think about that. Paul says it's in you. This truth, this knowledge, this strength. You can have purpose. You can have focus. You can have passion. It's all there in Christ for you. Do you want it today? Oh, hallelujah. What have you got to lay down? Many, many Christians contend or want, they want a, steep, a deeper spiritual experience. They're hungry for it. And what Paul's saying is, listen, it's okay to be hungry for God, but be careful what you're listening to. We were talking about this last Sunday, um, get Jeff Gilpin, and uh, Jeff Gilpin, who's a pastor down south, he got saved, and he went, he went to church, and he, the first few days in church and weeks, and, and he could hear everybody praying, oh, and they were powerful, oh, hallelujah, they were, they were really rocking the house and, and praying, and, 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 you know, the old King James, and they were giving it rock all, and, and he was sat there quietly, and somebody come to him and said, what, why, what's, what's up, Dave, you know, so you're not, Jeff, you're not, you're not praying, he said, well, I don't really know how to pray. He said, well, go home and practice in your bedroom. So he went home and he said he got a note next to the bed and he, he prayed and he, he prayed for his mom and his dad and his house and school. And, and he said, and then, and then uh, the girl down the road that I really liked. And he said, and, and I opened my eye and five minutes had gone. So he went back to church on Sunday. He said, I can't get past five minutes. He said, oh, he said, what Bible did you use? He said, I didn't, I didn't open it. Oh, he said, you need a big Bible. So Jeff said, he went out and bought a big Bible, put it on his bed, opened it. Read the Bible and prayed. 
Mum, dad, home, school, girl down the road, church, church, pray for church, that's a good thing. Opened his eyes, seven minutes. Seven, he said, I'm not getting anywhere. So he went back to the fella. He said, well, I, only, he said, I can't get past seven minutes. I've really tried. He said, so what candle did you light? He said, candle? <laughs> he said, well, you got your Bible. Yeah, I said, I've got the Bible. He said, but you didn't light a candle, did you? He said, no, he said, oh, you have to light a candle. So he goes back and lights a candle. Seven minutes. He can't get past seven minutes, you see. So he goes back. He said, well, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm, I'm kneeling by the bed. I've, I've got the big Bible. I've lit the candle. Have you opened the window? Because, you know, God can't hear if you don't open the window. <laughs> And he said, you have to have the window open. So he said, no, I didn't do that. And he went, he went home, he said, and he, he knelt by his bed, and he opens his Bible, he lit his candle, he opened the curtain, he closed his eyes, he said, you know what happened? He said, the curtain's caught on fire. <laughs> <laughs> he said, look, don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be what you're not. Be yourself. The rest will come. It's okay. God loves you just as you are. You don't need those things. Okay? There is power, Paul says here in Colossians, in being who you are in God. Because his mystery is revealed in you and who you are. Oh, hallelujah. What a lovely thought this morning. Paul encourages the church there. He said, look, take hold of the truth. That God has stored up everything we could possibly need in Christ. We will find spiritual fulfillment in him and him alone. What a call then to us to lay hold of who you are in Christ. Yes. And to take on the things of God. Whether it's the word of God or praying or perhaps you need to do some learning. Maybe I don't know what God is saying to you. But you know what you've laid aside. Now for some of us, I want to say, that can be a guilt thing. I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone, neither is Paul. He's saying, look, this is the truth. You have it. If you're busy searching or looking somewhere else or looking at other people, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong because everything you need is in you from him. Now that's quite a challenge, isn't it? Because it comes back round to the question that we had earlier is, what are we aiming at? You see, if you aim at nothing, don't be surprised if you hit nothing. Amen? In your spiritual walk, if you're comfortable, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable. But if you're not, you need to aim at something. But you have to do it remembering. Paul says, remember who you are in him and who he is in you. Remember that that secret, that mystery is revealed in you. I want you to know that you can do this. Whatever this is, you can do it. You can get through it because of who he is in you. What a power... What a powerful thought this morning. Amen. You are enough because he is in you. And everything you need is in him. Oh, it's not what you see in the mirror. It's not who you 
think you are or who you're not. It's who he is. What a powerful thought this morning. We're going to go out of here holding on to that. Mystery is revealed in me. Now I might have to do something. That's fair. I might have to learn. I might have to read more. I might have to get back in the word. I might have to pray. Whatever it is, face the challenge knowing you don't face it alone, Paul says. You're not alone. I am with you. Others are praying for you. But face it. Step into all he has for you. What a regret to have to go to heaven and know that you didn't embrace everything that he had. To know that there were things that God had asked you to do. I mean, all the things in life and all the things that we're doing, to know in your heart of hearts that there were things that you didn't do for God. Paul says, don't do that to yourself. Step out. Fear kills more dreams than anything else. Paul is trying to encourage us. Don't be afraid. Scary things will happen. Amen. That's life. But don't be afraid. You are not alone. Remember who you serve. Remember who is in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this picture that you have given us. Who you have reminded us of who you've called us to be. Not just to ourselves, but for others. And not just here, but always. We thank you that you sent your son to die for us and that in us, each one of us, the mystery is revealed. Thank you that you, you cared so much that you were willing to send your son to die for us. We want to say that we love you, Lord. And Lord, there are some here today that have felt that they should be aiming and, and should be focused. And Lord, I pray you would help those now, today, this morning, to lay aside fear, lay aside self, and take up all you are and all you have for them that they might be the people that you called them to be. Not walking in fear, not worried, but full of who you are. And Lord, when they meet people, that's who those people will see. You in them. We need your help more and more each day. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name.